You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff, and uh, our guy, Darren Doogie Wolfson, has been under the weather all week with the crud that like uh. everyone seems to have, not only in Minnesota, but around the country. And on the show. So, man, Doogie feels bad because this is, it's TJ Hawkinson week. There's so much to talk about, but you know, when when Doogie can't go, it's it's bad because he'll fight through it. So we're, we told Doogie, just rest up. It's all good. We'll, we got your back. You come back next week with with some scoops. But that doesn't mean we can't recklessly speculate here. Reckless speculation. And for there's some people that are kind of new to the show the last few months or the last year or two, and we may need to re-clarify and redefine what Reckless Speculation Thursday is all about, the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. It's a safe space to look out on the horizon and speculate sometimes recklessly, about moves that your favorite Minnesota sports teams may or may not make. Or in the case of when Doogie comes on, it's also inside information, right? sourced information, sometimes right. heavily sourced, sometimes loosely sourced, and that's fine too. Reckless speculation. Without him, I, I would call this almost free-form reckless speculation. Dude. Yeah. It's like rapping free-form, right? Yeah, that's that's like fair. Beatboxing, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like battling. Because with Doogie, <laughs> with Doogie, there are parameters. There's bumpers, you know, because he's got some. He's got some scoops. Yeah, and, yeah. and and he he has educated guesses combined with knowledge. When the three of us take the mantle and run with it, oh, it's out. yeah. There's there's no there's no bumpers. There's no ga- guardrails. There's nothing. Yeah, it's the Autobahn. We're just throwing stuff out. Exactly. Speculation. And so I bring to you guys an update from SkySports.com here. Odell Beckham Jr. teams. Here's the headline. Buffalo Bills, Los Angeles Rams, New York Giants in the race for Odell Beckham Jr.'s signature. Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean says they'd be crazy not to look into signing OBJ. Giants GM Joe Schoen says the team will consider OBJ re-signing with the team. And uh, the receiver is targeting a November return after tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl last year with the Rams. Yep. So obviously in this particular report, the Vikings do not fall on this list of teams. But if you do some math here, we got uh, so the Rams, who he already has an attachment to, they won a Super Bowl. That division's up for grabs. They're off to a slow start, but that makes sense. The Bills make a lot of sense because they're the Bills, and if he's chasing more Super Bowl rings, you know, that's probably the best team you can latch on with right now. And the Giants make sense for two reasons. One, he already has a life and a background in New York with that team, and also they have one of the best records in the league. So if he's looking for teams that are going to make the playoffs, could make a run, 
Minnesota has not really been talked about on the national scene, but there's there's definitely a need for a guy that can help. Stra- I think Hawkinson helps you as a weapon. And then there's the Kevin O'Connell connection and Kevin O'Connell helping to sort of revive Odell Beckham Jr. along with Sean McVay with the Rams last year. So is there any chance at all the Vikings are still involved with these Odell Beckham Jr. conversations? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, the Giants are intriguing because they don't because they have a a real need at receiver across the board. They got guys hurt, like they are depleted there. So Beckham would step in and immediately, I think, probably shoot to the top of their depth chart. Um, the Bills make a lot of sense. I have said this though. Um, while the Bills make a lot of sense. This is a veteran player with a knee problem going to a team that plays in the dead of a Buffalo December winter. It has to be factored in. Not saying it would stop it. I am saying it's a factor. It appears the Chiefs trade with the Giants for a receiver before the deadline probably has taken the Chiefs off that off that list a little bit. Outside potential. And I have read that uh, OBJ's nameplate is actually still up at the Rams facility. So, like, mm-hmm. they really want him back. They really They never like took him. it off, huh? But don't forget, Kevin O'Connell. It's kind of pathetic, is, actually. Yeah, it's kind of desperate. Creepy, yeah. Leaving the ex-girl, yeah. the ex-girlfriend. Yeah. You know? She's, you know, she's she's seeing other guys, and you still have her her sweatshirt that you're smelling oh, every really night. Weird. That's yeah. really weird. That's really weird. Don't be desperate yeah, on my wall. Just pictures of her plastered of OBJ <laughs> making great one-handed catches. They're just plastered all over in a Rams jersey. But anyway, so... Here's my thought on the Vikings here. And I'm not saying that they are a favorite, but do I think that they are still or could be involved? Absolutely, and here's why. One, the O'Connell connection is strong. O'Connell, as far as I can tell, and I don't think he's BSing, really liked him. Um, He got along with him with the Rams. Seems like the type of guy who would make a good connection with a player like this. Second of all, the LSU connection here, starting with Jefferson, but Patrick Peterson, there is a strong... There is a very strong connection to OBJ's school and the Vikings as well. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is the Bills are very interesting in that their GM, uh, Brandon Bean, seems to be really forthcoming. Like, he gives you information, which is very weird. It's welcomed, but it's sort of weird. Uh, I think the Giants guy is a little bit more less guarded, and and the Vikings people are 100% for the most part, when it comes to this type of move, guarded. Uh, So the Vikings are not going to throw their hat in the ring, even if privately it is. So do I think this has a chance, an outside chance? Absolutely. Um, The other thing, though, there's two other things of reckless speculation to keep in mind here, though, Mm. that go outside of Beckham. One is this. Depending on the length of time that Dalvin Tomlinson is going to be out, defensive tackle might actually be the priority here. Now, Tomlinson, I think the, the hope is that he's week-to-week and is back. Uh, if not for the Buffalo game, then, like, the three-game homestand Dallas game, perhaps, all right? But he's a big man with a leg problem. That's not a great combination. So could the Vikings shift their priority to depth at defensive tackle? Because, I mean, that's a subject that we've been talking about since training camp. That's one. The other is this. The outside chance that Brandon Cooks is going to be cut by Houston. So Brandon Cooks was being shopped by the Texans. And again, it was to a list of teams. Uh, I think the Rams were on that list again. 
Uh, I have not seen the Vikings on that list, but I think the Vikings were firmly involved, at least in inquiring about him from the Texans. He was not traded, but he was not at practice this week for at least a day, if not more. He uh, reportedly is not going to play in the game on Thursday night against Philadelphia. Hmm. In other words, he's going to make life miserable for a team that already is. So he's Which, he's essentially dragging his feet and saying, kind of like kind of like OBJ kind of had this thing with Cleveland, exactly. right? Cleveland, exactly right. Uh, now he's not that player, but he would be an enticing guy. And my guess is he would want to join again a team that is going to be in a place to win. The point being is, could Cooks be actually sort of in the shadows on the table potentially within the next two to three weeks? Interesting. Interesting. Very I mean, reckless. See, that was. No bumpers right there. And then I think you know what you have to consider here, one of the big unknowns is what does OBJ's contract look like? Yep. You know, he's he's been one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL for the last five years or so, going back to that Giants contract. Um, you know, he's still in his prime, but he is coming off another knee injury, and so you gotta you gotta factor that in too. Like what kind of player is he gonna be? But he's not going to come in for a discount, I don't think, especially if there's two or three teams bidding. Like, let's say it's uh, the Bills want him and the Rams need him more than the Bills do. And the Vikings are sitting there saying, I mean, yeah, but look at us, man. We've got a smooth sailing path to the second, third round of the playoffs here. Is that bidding war going to drive his price up to a point where, okay, you got a Jefferson contract coming up. I mean, is it going to be a long-term deal? It's definitely going to be a deal, I would think, that carries you through 2023. I think he wants a couple of years, yes, and I yeah. think that, I think that's a thing. And my guess, so my guess is is he is not signed yet, in part because of that, because the one thing is he has now torn that ACL twice. So if you're a team, you're not just going to blindly say, "Oh yeah, dude, come here," you know, let's sign you to a two year contract and and yeah. a contract that potentially you know could include some decent guarantees. So I think that's definitely a factor for any team is what are the terms of the contracts going to be and how much are you actually, or contract, and how much are you actually going to have to guarantee him? Yep. I want to throw this out, too, because I know there's some people that are shouting at their their uh, headphones or their YouTube <laughs> screen right now saying, guys. TCL TVs, Phil. Or their TCL TVs. They're streaming at their Could TCL be. TVs because I look good right now. Hey, folks. Guys, Hawkinson is here. Yep. Why, they just traded for Hawkinson. You got you got Jefferson, you got Thielen, and KJ Asborn. Just why, why would you want to bring in another target you're just going to reshuffle everything and I would just point to this with Thielen two years ago he was one of the best deep threat receivers in the NFL he he was targeted 20 and deep threat meaning 20 plus yards in the air he was targeted 22 times had nine catches four touchdowns on those plays uh, his PFF grade on those plays was 97.9 on deep passes two years ago he was incredible wow this season, he's only been targeted twice on deep passes. He has not caught a deep pass yet this year. Yep. Now, is there's obviously he's not 100% healthy. doesn't look like he is. Anyway, he you know, got banged up in the game against the Cardinals. Um, he's 32 years old. Is, is the scheme not putting him in certain places that he used to be? There's a lot of factors involved here, but at the end of the day, Adam Thielen has been a complete non-factor beyond like 10 or 15 yard passes in the air. And it's part of the reason why the Vikings don't have more home runs offensively. 
Odell Beckham Jr. has been one of the best D-threat receivers in the league the last, even even last year, he was still like heavily targeted. And and um, with the Browns, they just weren't connecting. Like Baker Mayfield and him had no chemistry at the beginning of the year. Then he gets to the Rams, and you saw some of that come to fruition. But that's that's one thing I would say, is if you're still clinging to like, well, but Adam Thielen, I would say, oh, man, this year feels different for Thielen. And if you have a chance to bump him to number three, you're still a possession guy, a red zone guy, but you're not the stretch the field guy you were a couple years ago. Let's just be honest about it. Unless they think he's going to get healthy in two or three weeks and become that guy. Yeah. I just want to I want to point that out for anyone that's saying, they already have Thielen, why would they need OBJ? Because he's not the same Thielen he was two years ago to this point measurably. And if you got a deep threat, then what you're doing is, is you're actually helping Jefferson a lot too, because that that means like right now teams as far as the deep threat goes, because there seems to be, and I don't know if it's because of his size, because he's not that big. There seems to be a reluctance by Kirk to throw to Osborne because I thought he was going to throw to him more, mm-hmm. uh, because he is a downfield threat. There's no question about it. But right now the thing is teams are are and rightfully so, hyper-focusing in on Jefferson with no real threat of somebody else going or getting deep. I think in some ways that Hawkinson actually does does replace Thielen a bit because I think the Vikings have to, especially after what we saw on Sunday, and I know he came back, but the Vikings have to accept the fact that, that it appears to me one of these games, Thielen's not going to get back up. Mm-hmm. Like you see him, I mean, on Sunday, he looked like he'd been shot. He he was rolling around, and now I know he came back, but he's been hurt before. That's not unusual. So I think Hawkinson, in, in a way, makes up for what Thielen possibly can't do if he goes out. And then, yes, the, the if this team wants to establish a vertical game consistently at all, I think you have to at least look at who can you add from a receiving standpoint, who can at least present present um, the illusion of stretching the field as well to help free up Justin Jefferson. Yeah. No, okay. Reckless no. speculation. So that, uh, that OBJ reckless speculation was presented in part by our friends at Finch Home Solutions, Judd Zolgad. That's right. You know what? Because they are not reckless. They are incredibly smart, and they are people that want to get ahead of problems in your house before they ever occur. I keep talking about this, but as they they told me in our call last week, Cody told me, you know what? Flickering lights are a problem. Flickering lights are the sign of a problem. And electrical work in your home, it should be preventative safety. Don't wait until something has gone wrong. Prevent the problems now by calling Finch Home Solutions, and that can be done by calling 612-357-2604 or going to uh, finchhomesolutions.com. Be sure to tell Cody and his team that you that you heard about us on Mackie and Judd or PD because there are special deals involved for PD customers and also those who watch Mackie and Judd. Again, finchhomesolutions.com. Get ahead of the problems like a sports team would, right? You make a trade before there's a problem potentially. Finch Home Solutions wants to do the same for you. FinchHomeSolutions.com. Also, uh, hey, the uh, Purple Daily and Scornarth merch shop is open at Scornarth.com slash shop. If you want your Victory Monday Purple Daily shirts, you're just one before I die. Hooded sweatshirts or maybe your uh, Purple Daily or Scornarth themed swag. You can check it out at Scornarth.com slash shop where uh, we've got you covered. It's open for a limited time, so uh, make sure you jump in. 
Maybe it's an early Christmas present for somebody mm. who would just like to have a, a Victory Monday or Just One Before I Die uh, hoodie in their stocking or something. So check it out. Uh, let's hear from Kirk Cousins here as uh, as he was giving a very sort of you know, laid back, comfortable, we're six and one Wednesday press conference here uh, talking about his comfort level. No, I don't think so. I think I think winning helps. I think you got to win football games in this league to uh, to be like that, and uh, uh, you don't do that after losses. You know, you uh, you have some decorum after losses, but uh, uh, you know when you win, it's, it obviously carries a different feeling. So what it, that's yeah. that, that's Kirk t- talking about the guy that wears chains on airplanes now, spinning chains, and like he's having fun. And I, I think it's safe to say that at least uh, we in the public have never seen this much and this side of Kirk since he signed here. His point was, I haven't really changed, but when we win, it's more fun. Mm -hmm. And I can have fun. And I get what he's saying. I still feel, though, like publicly, he's taken a big step. I love the version of Kirk that we've seen so far this year. We went over on Purple Daily today, too. We did our State of the Offense episode and just went through some of the, the last year and a half of clutch stats too. It's that you can you can sharpen the clutch pencil any which direction, but I chose to look at how does he perform in the last six minutes of each half, which is largely when there's emergency, you're trying to put a team away, or you're trying to come back, or you're trying to put points on the board before the half. Opposing team knows you're going to be passing a lot more. And even in those instances, he's been so much better than he was the first three years as a Viking. And you know, in a lot of ways, I think you get to your early 30s and you just you kind of are who you are. But I I definitely think he is reaching a new level of play and of personality that we haven't seen in his career. And he was kind of a late bloomer, too, in that, you know, he was never he was never highly touted out of high school. He wasn't pegged as a starter right away at Michigan State. And then he's a kind of a mid-round pick behind RG3. And it took him a few years to be a starter. So he's always been a late bloomer everywhere he's gone. So it's not that surprising that he would add elements to his to his game, both behind the scenes and on the field at age 34. I guess I'm wondering from you guys, have you seen enough of an evolution from him the last two years, let's say, and specifically this year, compared to when we first saw him in those first three years as a Viking, to say, yeah, okay, I think he could be hoisting a Vince Lombardi trophy in a Vikings uniform with his teammates with confetti coming down in a few months from now. I need to see a lot more on that. Like, I've have I seen him uh, positively change? And, and have I seen what I feel like is Kevin O'Connell embracing Kirk as Kirk and not with unrealistic expectations? Absolutely. Do I think he can win a Super Bowl? I'm not even close to that yet. Like, he's doing very positive things, but we're talking about a level of pressure that that I'm I'm not even sure until I see him if if we were to go back in history until I see him uh, win and play a hell of a game in in that second round loss at San Fran I'm not even sure he can win that game yet I give him a much better chance now but um, I just like the fact that if nothing else it feels like publicly he is in embraced now and been allowed to embrace who he truly is. And so this, you know, corporate quarterback false pretense of who I think I should be is stripped away, which I absolutely love. And so, yeah, I mean, would Kirk Cousins, if Kirk Cousins had acted at least a little bit more like this since 2018, 
we're, we would still criticize him at times, for sure, for his play. But I think we would have been a lot more, at least speaking for myself, I would have been a lot more lenient on Kirk as a person. Because, like, part of the thing that drove me crazy was, dude, you're trying to be somebody you're not. This is the first time, and I do think that this lends itself to success, potentially. Mm-hmm. For the first time since he signed here in 2018, we are now seeing him being who he is. And I just don't think being a fraud is ever a way to lead or win consistently. Yeah, this is this is going to be, and I don't know how many years he has left. There's There might be more chances in the future, but you can never take that for granted. This is kind of the year for him. Just like, you know, Matt Ryan, everything kind of came together with the right coach, the right system, talent around him five years ago, to the point where he actually won the MVP award and had a four-touchdown lead in the freaking Super Bowl, yeah. right, 28-3. to that You don't the these sort of Tier 2, Tier 3 quarterbacks, if you're Mahomes or you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you're, you're, you know, you're one of the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks of your era, you're going to get like eight to ten chances to go deep in the playoffs and win Super Bowls because even if your roster is light around you, you're good enough to carry it. Guys like Kirk, guys like Matt Ryan, guys like even even Matthew Stafford to some extent. I think Stafford, more talented, number one overall pick, but they need more infrastructure around them. And so the chance at a run is fewer and far between. So this is the, there's no guarantees that you get another six and one start. You get another fairly weak NFC. You get Justin Jefferson in his prime and a Hawkinson and a big deadline trade, right? Franchise left tackle, right tackle, like a lot of stars are aligning here. Yes. And so I th- I just think if there's going to be a year where Kirk cashes in as the leader of this whole thing on the field, it's kind of this year. Maybe there's another window next year or maybe there's another window in like two years when he's 36 years old, but this is a window that hasn't existed for him before. If he had been better, maybe 2018 could have been that window, but, you know, what's done is done. So I just... You know, I'm curious to see to what extent he takes advantage of it as the most influential player on this roster. For the first time since he signed here, I am comfortable with him being the quarterback of th- this team and am not try am not thinking of ways to move on from him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like like that's my comfort here. And again, I don't I don't personally think until he proves it that he that he, he can win a championship. Um and I don't think he's O'Connell's long-term guy. But all of that being said, I am very comfortable with what we are seeing. I am very comfortable with the fact that that really, and I think this is incredibly important, it feels like overall in Kirk's life right now, he's being honest about Kirk. And I think that's an important step. I really do. And I know there were mitigating factors. I know the coach and him didn't get along. I know that there's a, a litany of why he probably acted like he did. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it did him any favors and i think now and he's a goofball i mean he's a weird guy that's fine it's cool to be weird i'm weird but embrace it don't don't fight it don't act like somebody you're not and he's not now so i have a lot more open not open-mindedness towards kirk cousins as both a person and a quarterback than i ever have previously and just winning cures at all like if, if you're winning and you're a weird duck like kirk is that's okay and I think that's where we're starting to see him be more of himself. And there's not much of a teeth clenching of Kirk and the relationship between the head coach 
and the quarterback is so much different with Kevin O'Connell versus Mike Zimmer that you kind of empower that guy to be himself. So, yeah, I think winning has the biggest factor of this. You know, if they were four and four, if they were three and five and things weren't going like like they have been, then yes, we're still probably ripping him for being who he is. But his stats have diminished, but he's also been so clutch in these fourth quarter moments that you're willing to sacrifice some of those homegrown statistics that he has padded before because the Vikings are winning. And I think that just yeah. makes life so much easier. I feel, just, oh, go ahead, Jed. You go. Oh, I, I was go, going to say, too, winning, Dex, you're exactly right. But here's the thing that, that he's ignoring a little bit in saying that. Um, this whole thing got set in motion to win by how he sort of, in my mind, in his, in his own personality, sort of changed as well. I don't think it's any mistake. And look, if it was calculated, it was actually super smart. I don't think it's a mistake that while on field one at training camp, right by the stands, which included his parents, he dropped that F-bomb, which was very – but, I mean, everyone embraced it, right? It was like, oh, my God, that's Kirk, that's Kirk Cousins. That's Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't think that was any mistake as to how he felt looser and more empowered and more confident. So, like, yes, they've won a bunch, and that's awesome. But I, I think this goes back to training camp as well. Just because of the fact that he felt a freedom that he never felt. And, and again, as I was told, and I think it's exactly right, he, for the first time, isn't worried about how the public perception comes back on him internally at TCL. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, it's all very interesting. It's, um, I, I want to throw this out from Purple Daily, too. We, this, is, this is part of our state of the offense because we've been referring to how he's more clutch now. And this is just one way to define it, but... The last six minutes of each half, his first three years as a Vikings quarterback, he led the league in interceptions. No quarterback threw more picks in the final six minutes of the half than Kirk Cousins from 2018 through 20. He was 29th in passer rating behind Mike Glennon, old Eli Manning, Nick Foles over that stretch. Yep. He was not good when, hey, the clock's ticking down. We need you. You're leading this thing. And he was kind of a train wreck. And uh, the last two years, he has doubled the fourth quarter comebacks despite playing half the games because it's a smaller time period. Only two interceptions inside six minutes of halves versus 16 those first three years. And this year, he has the fourth most passing first downs converted inside six minutes of the first and second half. So he is measurably just a different, better, more comfortable guy in those moments. And he deserves that praise, even from a Kirk hater. People like the the Kirk hater thing. It's like people act. We just gave you measurable data here, and we do this all the time, that he is a different dude than he was the first three years in some key areas. Oh, you're finally coming around on Kirk Cousins. No, Kirk is finally coming around as a better quarterback in key situations and taking advantage of, well, yeah, but like, shouldn't that be obvious with a new coach? Yeah, the new coach absolutely helps. Absolutely helps, but it wasn't like Mike Zimmer was the sole reason why he threw 16 picks in late half situations in the first three years. Okay, let's not put everything on Mike Zimmer like everyone's doing. And I think, too, the national perception of Kirk is still the same. Like, it's the same of, is Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. really good? Like, we we, we always joke with the Kirk Cousins with with Stephen A. and and Mad Dog going at it, but it's asked across all platforms on ESPN, on national podcasts, is Kirk Cousins really that good? And I think he has a chance here, especially if one of these, maybe these Cowboys game or even the Bills game gets flexed into primetime, that you can actually see some people start to believe, oh, yeah, 
Kirk Cousins is actually good, and he is allowed to change that narrative this season. Yeah. Bill's game can't be now, too. Noon kickoff. Good thing. Um, the the Cousins thing, So, but but I think from a national basis, it's still a fair question because their, their ultimate question and goal is, can he win a, a championship? Um, we're talking about just making progress game to game. And the Cousins Crusaders, my issue with them is, and this this also largely went to Kirk's personality, they were defending a Ken doll. He, he was basically a, a sanitized Ken doll. Yeah. Now he's being himself, and, and it's helping. And O'Connell, you, you know, I, I'm also saying now, well, don't give O'Connell too much credit. Why not? He deserves a ton of credit. Kevin O'Connell's done a hell of a job. Yeah. Don't tell me not to give him credit. I told you before. He's a failed Kevin O'Connell's a failed quarterback who is going who is trying to put his brain into Kirk's brain because Kirk has the body that Kevin didn't. So it it's it's definitely um teamwork right there. But yeah, I think the national narrative is a conversation about can Kirk win playoff games and a championship. And I got no clue on that. All I'm saying is I'm seeing progress that I now don't despise the fact he's going to be the starting quarterback probably in the next season. Yep. Yep. You like that? You like that? All right. So uh, there's a little little deep dive into the evolution of of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. You take Cousins. Dog, man, I love Mad Dog. But uh, let's let's get back into reckless speculation <sighs> Thursday here. Reckless speculation. If if old Dex tweets can, can make it, I'm trying because because well, we need we need old Dex tweets. Uh, old Dex uh, Dex tweets. <laughs> We're doing is great. it Dex tweets? Is it that is your Dex Twitter tweets? Name? Yes, it is Dex need, tweets. Yes. Yeah, okay, right. We need old Dex tweets to uh, to give us his wild trade idea here. But uh, this uh, particular slice of reckless speculation Thursday is presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They're here as a guiding hand for over a hundred years. They've been helping businesses maximize their level of success. They're all about risk management tools and resources. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects and uh, specializes in it, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. So the Wild got off to a pretty train wrecky start this year where they were just allowing seven goals, oh. six goals in every game. Mm-hmm. They have bounced back. They've taken care of business against some weaker opponents, but they've they've generally played a lot better. Um, so this is a safe space to mm-hmm. throw ideas out about reckless speculation. what this team could do to keep moving forward. The trade deadline is still... Months away. Yep. Uh, but let's, uh, you know, let's open up the the speculative food truck here, so to speak. What do you got for us? Okay, so, yes, we're still months away from the trade deadline. But, you know, let, this is a safe space for us. We can, we can still talk about these type of trades. In fact, other outlets are talking about this as well. Uh, let's go to Bleacher Report here. We already have top trade landing spots for Canuck Center, Bo Horvath. So the reckless speculation has already started, not from just Score North, but from Bleacher Report too. And by the way, Bleacher Report has really embraced more of their hockey coverage. I think some people sometimes people hear Bleacher Report as just, oh, they're just classic clickbait, click, 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 click. No, they have actually a really cool hockey section. I think it's a Bleacher Report open ice where they, they do deep dives into cool hockey things. It's really good stuff. So they have five landing spots uh, for Bo Horvat, the Canuck Center, who is a very good offensive center, uh, wins a lot of faceoffs. He's a beast on the power play. He is a UFA at the end of the year. The Canucks are off to a really bad start, so looks like they'll probably be sellers at the deadline. I'd be pretty shocked, unless they turn things around. I don't know if Boudreaux will do that, but it looks like the Canucks probably tracking 
being a seller by the time the deadline rolls around in March. So five landing spots for Bo Horvat. You got the Carolina Hurricanes. They could be a spot. Detroit Red Wings are listed on here. The Islanders are listed on here. The Ottawa Senators, who are a little bit more peskier uh, and, and could actually turn some things around. And also, the Minnesota Wild are on this list. Reckless speculation. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh. Uh, so, brief little write-up here from the Wild's perspective. So, the Wild obviously enjoyed a 113-point performance last season. Even though they're off to a shaky start, they have plenty of time to regain their footing. Um the depth at center, though, remains the Wild's biggest issue, as it's touched on in this article. Ryan Hartman, who was the Wild's top-line center last year, is now playing third-line wing. He's not been playing center. He's been playing wing. And now he is on the injured reserve because uh, he, I believe, tore his shoulder trying to drop the gloves. So, again, great hockey fight because now he lost a player because he dropped the gloves. Like, one punch in, he dropped, He like separated his shoulder, too, by the way. <laughs> that would be me. Yes. Just, uh, or me. Getting out <clears throat> over my skis and yes. just tearing my labrum trying to throw a haymaker. <laughs> so your top-line center from last season, who was playing wing, is now on the IR. Right now you have Frederick Goudreau, who, God bless him, is a great defensive checking line center, but probably should have no business being the top-line center on a team with deep playoff aspirations. Now, Marco Rossi is someone, too, that probably they want him to be the top-line center, and he looked really good on Tuesday for the first time this season. He's kind of been more of a passenger. He had a point. He almost got his first goal. But um, regardless, they're still baking him, if you will. They're, They're still wanting him to get his feet wet before they probably give him the keys to the Cadillac. So this is where Bo Horvat comes into play for the Wild. So the Wild have a projected cap space of $14.4 million at the trade deadline. So the trade deadline cap space kind of expands as you get closer to the, as you get to the deadline and on because you can put players on long-term injury reserve that kind of resets the cap a little bit. The Lightning did this two years ago with Kucherov where he didn't play a and game. And then didn't a player come, didn't he come yes. back for the playoffs? So the salary cap does not apply once the playoffs start. So you can, but you, you can don't pull have a guy ca- off injured reserve. Yes. yes. Okay. You, you don't have to be cap compliant when the postseason starts, which is kind of really weird and dumb, but that's how the Lightning got away with that. Last year, the Vegas Golden Knights were almost going to get away with that. They actually ended up not making the playoffs, but they had a lot of players on high cap hits. They were shuffling the long-term injury reserve. You can kind of push this money a little bit around, and then the playoffs can come, Hmm. and you can kind of absorb a little bit more cap space, if you will. So in terms of the the cost to get him, and the Bleacher Report mentions this, that Garen is probably unwilling to move his first-round pick this year because he just parted with a third-rounder from last year's trade deadline. But you could probably talk the Canucks into taking the 2024 first rounder. So two drafts from now, you could potentially move that first round pick. Um, now, I don't think it would just be a draft pick and that's it. Cause Bo Horvat's, like I said, a very good offensive playmaking center. Um, he won't come cheap either. They recommend throwing in someone either in Kalen Addison or Brock Faber, who are two defensemen. Uh, Addison, mm. who's, who's looking pretty good, and I'm not willing to move that guy. Brock Faber, who's the Gophers, I believe captain this year, right, Judd? I think he's the captain of the Gopher hockey team. Um, And he signed with the Wild. It's very likely that once this college hockey season ends, Faber will jump ship. He'll probably join the Wild. I don't know if he'll be a regular contributor with the big club right away, but they have high hopes for him as well. So I'm probably more willing to deal a Brock Faber than I am a Kalen Addison because I know the known commodity there in Kalen Addison where Brock Faber could just be a really good college hockey player that doesn't pan out, which is odds are that's probably going to be his future. But I do think it will take more than a first-round pick and probably one of those two defensemen. 
the issue with the Wild, though, in my opinion, is so Matt Dumba is a UFA at the end of this year. He's making six million. He's just not the player he was um, since the Kachuk injury from four years ago, and he also got into a fight. And even though he's going to go into a UFA year for the first time in his career, I don't see a team paying him north of $6 million again. Like, he'll still make a, I think he'd get a multi-year contract for sure. But him having a ceiling of a $6 million cap hit beyond this season, whether it's with the Wild or another NHL team, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think he'll sign a multi-year deal probably in the 4 to $5 million AAV range. So can you convince Vancouver to take on Dumba, which they could also still build around. They could still use Matt Dumba for the long term if they wanted to get into contract negotiations with him. Horvat, Horvat's problem is, is he's going he's gonna to command top dollars. Like He's coming off a very good season, and he's going to get a bigger contract this summer than Matt Dumba certainly will. So you might be able to give Vancouver a much more controlled asset in Matt Dumba that you can still have to lock up and the Wild would get Bo Horvat with Garen knowing that, hey, I'm not just acquiring this guy to be a rental, and I won't mortgage future assets to acquire a rental. You'd get Horvat here with the idea that I'm going to sign this guy also long-term. Whether it's before the UFA period starts or when he first gets here and he signs a contract extension, that could still 100% be in play. But I think that's what it probably costs, a 2024 first-round pick, maybe a sweetener prospect in Addison or Brock Faber, but honestly, what I would try to do is I would try to pawn them off Matt Dumba. Of course, I'm pulling stuff out of midair here, but I'd try to pull them off Matt Dumba knowing that you're probably going to get Dumba locked into a much more team-friendly deal than what you're going to have to play uh, 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 Horvat, Bo Horvat. Dumba might be cooked. They're not going to take him. I, I've, he has lost it. Like he is, His level of play is just atrocious for the most part. And here's the problem, too. I think he's lost his shot. So, so he hurt his shoulder. And his shot, like, two, three years back, he had a howitzer, which was his calling card, and it's gone. Uh, yeah, I think they would want a first-round pick. I think they would want Faber and potentially another prospect that's not as good. Faber, the problem with Faber is, and he, he's the, the guy that, of course, does play for the Gophers, but they got him from the Kings in the Fiala trade, is I think he is seen as an immediate replacement. Because if you go through the, the defensive depth chart right now, um, John Merrill's not long for this team. Yeah. Dumba's not long for this team. Goligas, Addison, man. I think Addison, yeah, <laughs> the goose. The goose hasn't played since its 1,000th game. And by the way, I'm really glad you got him to 1,000 games for a special night while actually hemorrhaging goals. Great job, Billy. I love you, but what the hell are we doing here? Um, job, but um, fa- trading, fa- I, you know, I don't know that the timing is going to be right to make this trade, but the name certainly is attractive. And I will say this, as the deadline approaches, you're going to have some very interesting players being shopped, some high-profile names. Horvat, because I think Boudreaux probably gets fired here soon. The only thing is if the Canucks then, if once Bruce is gone, they do what they did with Bruce last year, right? Which is, oh, hey, our coach is gone, and start to just get tons of points. Um I think the Blackhawks are almost certainly going to trade Patrick Kane. And I think if they can, they'll trade Taze as well. So the market's going to be flooded with some pretty big names. Yeah. Uh, but I do love the idea, and I will always love this, um, because Dex is exactly right. This team is woefully, woefully short when it comes to to what I would consider respectable centers. It's going to change with prospects. But as we're seeing with Marco right now, like, that's not, Phil, that's not an immediate, hey, it's fixed. This, You know, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And, and and Dean wants to develop the, these guys in a certain way. 
So I love the idea. I just don't know if they're going to be willing to pay the price uh, for a guy like Horvat. And I don't think you can pawn Dumba off because I think the film is so ugly. Does it give you guys pause that you're buying high on Horvat's career goal scoring season last year and a ridiculous hot start in which he scored eight goals in the first 10 games? Not like the trade wouldn't happen tomorrow. Right. So he he might cool off a little bit, but. I mean, you're like, like, as we're having this discussion right now, this is the best he's ever been in like eight years in the NHL as a goal scorer. Yeah. Has he reached a new level as a goal scorer or is it just like an inflection point? You know, and, he, and he's going to, and he's going to go back to being a good player, but it just feels like this is as high as his value has probably ever been uh, as a goal scorer. And you're talking about maybe having to give up something extra by buying him at his peak, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the issue that they're going to have to run into because even this summer, Horvat will be a free agent. Dylan Larkin, who if Detroit doesn't sign, is foolish. I mean, that that, that would be the guy. I mean, that's the crown jewel if he, if he, if he reaches free agency. Um, but, yeah, I think you that's that's the price of poker. That's the price of doing business, that if you're going to go out and get someone like Horvat, that you have to pay a, a deep penny. And that's where I think Bill, if he would only do that knowing that I have a good chance and I have communication with them that I'm going to lock you up here. Now, is that what does that contract look like to Phil's point? And is, if, it's, if it's a $7 million AAV, which it probably will be near that, um, does he go on a decline by year two or three of a five-year contract? And then you're stuck with it. Now, the good news is in the NHL side, it sounds like, and Gary Bettman alluded to this at the beginning of the season, the, the NHL might be able to pay off their escrow from the COVID seasons. From or from when when COVID started, which means the salary cap actually might go up starting next season by four million, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but for the NHL that is actually a significant number because they had basically locked into this salary cap spot when COVID happened, but they might be paying off this escrow faster than anticipated, so they could actually have teams could have more cap space starting immediately next summer, which would help all the teams and especially the Wild, who have about two more years hefty buyouts of Prezi and Suter that are hurting against them. So. It's a possibility, but I, I think it'd be worth it. He would be the exact top-line center that this team has never, ever really had, and it would be perfect between Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Reckless speculation. The other thing, too, so I, I believe that there is uh, three years of cap hell left, and the penalties, like the next two, are, are harsh. <laughs> yeah. It's cap hell. Oh, it's absolutely hell. Uh, the other thing to keep in, in mind, too, as far as the long play goes here with reckless speculation is this. Uh, Kaprizov is signed through 2025-26 and is absolutely going to break the bleeping bank when that contract is up. Um, and so that's going to at least play a role in thinking. Uh, by that point in time, though, the cap hits will will be pretty much gone. And plus, you know, eventually the cap is just going to start to rise. Now, this is the problem. I always thought it was going to rise by a lot, and so did the wild the day that they signed Parisi and Suter and it didn't. Um, but all of that being said, you know, we, we talked about this a lot. I think it was last hockey season as well. The center position to me is like starting pitching in baseball. It's hard to find guys. Mm-hmm. It's like the aces there. Not every team has, Oh man, you know, and when I, it, it's indicative of how tough it, it is to find guys when you are desperate enough to slot in Freddie Goudreau there because he is defensively responsible. The other problem with Goudreau and Hartman actually, Hartman's year last year was fantastic. It, it was probably Case Keenum 2017. The issue with Freddie is, and he has attributes, 
when you put him with skill guys for too long, he starts to think he's good. Um, and so you'll have games. They the the game that they played against Detroit was a prime example. He's trying to make plays with those guys. It's like, dude, no, 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 no. You are a worker bee with two you know players sent directly from heaven. Don't don't do that. So it would be really nice to find what what at least could be considered sort of a borderline ace guy at that position. I, for now, keep saying this. Play Rossi there. Give him a chance. His confidence goes through the roof. Dean Everson was a worker bee, really good one, like he worked his ass off. But I feel like he's holding Rossi accountable to a point of, like, you have to learn how to do this. If you saw when when uh, Rossi ended up on the ice a couple nights ago with Kaprizov and they scored together, Kaprizov scored the goal, Rossi's confidence went through yeah. the roof. It was like, because oh, skill, skill sharpens skill. Mm-hmm. And so I get being de- defensively responsible. I get that you're going to make some dumb mistakes. But Marco Rossi, to me, that game was exactly what I've been talking about. The first part of that game, he's working, but his head sort of hung. He's working with guys yeah. that are worker bees, right? He ends up on the ice with Kaprizov. The rest of the the rest of the game, yeah. it's like a different player. Yep. Skill sharpens skill. Yeah, a lot. So. We're just getting out in front. Just getting out in front of this. Nothing's going to happen. Nice tomorrow. find, though. That's that. That's a nice find. Bleacher report there. Yeah, we're hey. there too. Hey, we did the same uh, thing with Flurry too. We were talking about Flurry in December of last you were, year. Yes, we were. I think you were the first hey, to mention it. Hey, hey. And you were me, and you were mocked, mocked. Well, I've been mocked for a lot of bad trade ideas from the wild before, but but that one, that one was right. Okay, that you nailed one, that one. I nailed that right. one. All right, I'm struck out a lot of. I, I know you guys were asking if if old Macadac put together some potential D'Angelo it. Russell trade scenarios. That's he will workshop know. some. I okay. want some. I want something from you. He will workshop a few things here, yeah. and and we'll you know give D'Lo a couple more games to to see what he can do. But I'm kind of dude. It's been we're we're ten percent of the way into the season. You haven't joined the party yet, so. The, the consistency is the thing that we need, and you starting off inconsistent for the first ten percent negates the consistency. So I will start workshopping trades to make the Timberwolves better for sometime maybe next week. I love it. What, what's your feeling on the rest of the Western Conference now that that we've seen a few weeks of games? Um, there's a couple teams that are definitely way feistier than thought. Portland for sure, yeah, especially if Dame can play sixty games. Uh, the Pelicans, oh my God, they lost a ridiculous heartbreaker last night. I don't know if you guys saw. I saw the shot. They were up by three points. They were up by three points and shooting free throws with 1.5 seconds left. They missed both free throws. LeBron gets a rebound, instant timeout. They inbound the ball at half court. Cross court pass over for a three-pointer with 1.4 seconds left to send it to overtime, and then the Lakers won in overtime. But the oh. Pelicans, outside of, like, a, a completely impossible loss last night. And then uh, Utah, man. Utah is yeah. – I don't know that Utah is going to be, like, a 50-win team or anything, but Utah is more. It has a bunch of professional basketball players, and the, the drop-off there won't be as steep as advertised. So you got to be a little careful – Navigating through the Western Conference more so than maybe people thought on paper. That's okay. my, that's what I'm learning here. While also trying to figure out your own lineup combinations and things like that. Um, for today's Minnesota goodbye, the Powerball is at 1.5 billion dollars. 
got to be close to a record. Have we had like a, have we had a two billion dollar Powerball before? I don't know. Good question. It's getting pretty high. Getting pretty high. Um, I have two questions for you. Question number one: If you won the Powerball, how many people would you tell? Yeah. Would you tell as many? Would you tell the world, or would you try and keep it as under wraps as possible? I personally would want to not tell a ton of people, but I can assure you, Dawn would put it on Facebook instantly. <laughs> so it would be out. I like oh she God. tells she puts stuff on Facebook. And it's I'm all like, in a massive shed right behind our yep, house. So yep. if anyone 1. wants to come and see what dollars. point five, well, seven hundred fifty million after taxes looks yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> it's sitting in our piece of crap garage. Um, but I would personally, I think I would try to. I mean, now I don't promise i could do it but i think my inclination would be to hang low because i don't think it helps you to have the world know that yeah i think i mean obviously you'd probably i mean you probably get a nice nice new house or something somewhere so it'd be like oh interesting oh, he, these guys live in a eight thousand square foot house yeah. now that that they that they bought for 10 million dollars or something but I think I would try to keep it as quiet as possible too. Yeah, i would try but i don't know if it's possible either like even yeah. um <clears throat> I have a like a, gr- a group group Slack chat with a bunch of my high school friends. And they were talking about it last night, and they and one of my friends said, "If I won it, I would give each of you five hundred thousand." Which we said only five hundred thousand. That's all you would give us. But um, but I wouldn't want a lot of people to know because then yeah, the word of mouth it could be dangerous, man. In fact, you people would come after you if you won that Powerball. And then my second question is, what are the first two or three things you would do with oh, your new financial God. situation? I would probably buy now at my age. I would probably buy real estate. Event uh, like I would probably buy. I would probably buy a bigger house, but I do like my house. Like I'm very comfortable here. <laughs> but I could get someone then to clean this house up. I I, I don't the, the thought of of actually cleaning up a house. You, did I, you just did, say you could uh, probably get someone to yeah, clean no, I your could. house after you I won could. the Powerball? But I've been here for 22 years. There's a lot here. You just won the Powerball. Congratulations, Judd. What are you, uh, you going to yeah. do? Well, I'm going to probably get someone to vacuum our living yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I'm talking about like... Oh, the, 50 bucks? That's Judd a here for Minnesota Maid Company. Yeah. So I would... So here's what I would do. God. I would buy... I would probably buy a bigger house in the in the cities here, but I wouldn't move a long ways out, too. So just to be clear, like I ain't buying an Orno. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with Orno? It's too far away. I like being from, near from, like, the, the stadiums and stuff. Yeah, and, I like yeah. being. No, it's great. I'm saying Western I would like a bigger house in wow, the Western Burbs. I'm taking shots. No, I have no problem doing that. I loathe the Western suburbs. Oh, Not see, I love them. So I grew up in them. Northern Minnesota and the Western suburbs. Yeah, why, why do you? Why do you? Just load? alienating our uh, audience. No, 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 I, I, probably... I, I have no problem. People that live out there, personally, I'm not going to live out there. I it's right, far okay. away from everything. I would buy. No, it's not. Lakeville's too far. If I have to come, Western and Minnetonka are not far. Like, but if like, I have to drive every day, it's nice to be far away from things. You can just like have your own. Yeah, you grew up in Buffalo. That's true. If That's I have great. to drive on three ninety four every day, I'm I'm just gonna I can't do it. Every time I'm every time I drive, if I am even coming back on three ninety four, low three ninety four, dude. No, you, you gotta inject get the three ninety four into my van. Three ninety four is as easy as it gets. Thirty five oh, W is the pain in the oh. ass at times. Ninety four. Yeah, oh. North South bottlenecks. Oh, yes. No, three ninety four, Declan. You don't. You don't. You haven't done it <laughs> e- enough. And if you have the same land pass, it's great. Okay, so three things. It, Bigger house, probably Edina or Minnetonka. <laughs> I'll brownstone in Manhattan. 
I want okay. to I I want a place there. Yeah. Um, those are my two big things. I I wouldn't like I wouldn't buy a lot more than that though. I think uh I I would I would for sure I I no longer want to sit middle seat on Delta. Yeah. I'm I'm flying private for the rest yes, of my life. That's, that's on my list. Great call. Just just walk Great right call. in. Love it. You know, just kick your feet up. I'm flying, and anyone who wants to come with, we're flying private. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. And then I would, I would love someone to just cook every single meal as oh, healthy as as healthy chef. and great as possible. Okay. okay. I would have a personal chef. I wouldn't do that, but yeah, for good. three meals a day, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. And that's a good one. You don't have to worry about going to the grocery store or nothing. Just, just, just come on. I like the grocery store. You can still go. You if can you still want, go. But... No, but I don't want a chef. I like the grocery store. I you like cook? going to get my groceries. I like no. Dawn does. It's great. Um, <laughs> no, no chef. But you might want I want to get her opinion on this. <laughs> she likes to cook. Oh, she loves to cook. She likes to cook a lot. Does she like to cook? She's after good at it. And she enjoys dollars. Yeah, <laughs> she enjoys it. What one of one of my main ones is if like in terms of the cook ones. I don't know if I want to. Like I, I've. I'm not opposed to it, but one of my like perks of that, if I had one, is I love a blueberry muffin. It's my favorite muffin. I think it's the best of all muffins. Hot take. I, yeah. The blueberry muffin is the best muffin. Our neighbors made some blueberry muffins for us a few weeks back. I'm I'm with you, dude. Muffins They're... are so bad for you, though. Like they are so bad for you. Don't eat d- d- Dex with that heart. Don't eat too many muffins. No, that's fine. Does, does anyone go in thinking like I'm going to eat this muffin because it's opti- it's an optimal health decision? Though. I used to think they were healthy. I thought it's a, yeah, it's a bunch of collection of bread. It looks uh, pretty healthy to me. But I, I would have if yeah. I was a won the if I won the Powerball if I was a millionaire I would have a fresh blueberry muffin every single morning to start my day. Every single day I want a fresh prepared by a blueberry chef muffin. Like yeah, what? like prepared by pre- yeah prepared by a chef. <laughs> he bakes like only David. only bakes one every it morning. Sounds like Just a curb. One. Yeah, that's one. Yes, it is a curb. It is a curb. It's like a curb. You're that's one. That's the one. I don't know. That's one. My blueberry muffin. I'm going to do the other eleven. I'm throw them out. Declan, you're such an a hole. Wait, is this was this muffin made yesterday? Oh yeah, I made a batch. No, I I need them to be every single day. I need a new a new muffin. Okay. All right. So Judd's basically just going to do the same thing. He's going to have he's going to have a hold on a Manhattan high rise. I got a new thought and a vacuumed living room. I got one more. I got one more, and I'm serious about it. Okay. So. I would also invest in the wild as a partner. Yeah, I, w- I would 100% with buy Craig because not to buy the team, but I want some say. And, and it, <laughs> in our current jobs now, like I, I could just sit and buy a suite. Yeah. Oh, I would buy a I, team or a stake in a team. I, I'd like to buy a stake in the team, and I would get a suite at, if I won, I would get a suite at the wild. I would get a suite at, the Vikings probably. Um, I thought you said you were gonna. I thought you said maybe you'd you'd buy the Timberwolves and move them to Vegas or something. So I'm glad you're keeping oh, Seattle. Seattle. No, no, no. And, but but here's what I'm not doing. I am not investing a penny in in anything inside Target Center. Oh yeah, that's smart. That's smart investing right there. Yeah, I wouldn't do. But that I mean, either. I'm not going to get a suite there. The suites. I, I mean, they've redone them. They're better, but I'm not investing in that. Judd would yeah, buy the too. Dallas Stars back just to fold them for taking them away. I think. I think that's what <laughs> Judd would also do. Ooh, that's, that's, I feel like that's kind of what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm going to buy Twitter for 44 billion dollars and just like troll it yes. and fire Did I see people. Report he's and... going to fire like half the staff on Friday. Yes, Bloomberg reported that. Yes. So what the hell are they going to do? 
I legitimately I love Twitter so much. Me too. Sure, sure. And yeah. for sports fans, like I know that Twitter's not among the two or three biggest social media platforms anymore, but for sports fans, it is the platform. Yes. So as long as he doesn't screw up Twitter to the point where sports Twitter, it, sports Twitter just disintegrates. Because you can't, it, you can't just like be on Instagram and be on no, TikTok in the same way that you can be on Twitter, Twitter during a live event. My, my yes, girlfriend I claims I date Twitter first and her second. She hates how much I'm on Twitter. Oh, I'm married to Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don's great, but Twitter's outstanding. Yeah, I love Twitter. <laughs> Don's a pip. I mean, I, I love her. De- but I mean, Twitter, Twitter is life changing. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, thoughts and prayers with Judd that he can find someone to vacuum his living room if he wins the Powerball. If anyone has any recommendations up. for a cleaner, you know, I would along. just tear my house down and just build a bigger one, though. I could do that and just stay here. You could also buy your neighbors out and then just buy a house across yeah. two lots or something. Yeah, yeah St. Louis Park wouldn't. I think they would object to you that got big money. of a house. A tear down, but if I did a tear down and built and built a new mcmansion i think if you paid off uh, city council i think they would look the other way there's just a gigantic by the way mansion on by the way <laughs> guess guess who got a ahead of the voting game yesterday oh, that's right that's right i was already out vote don and i went yesterday it was great no line no nothing i heard judd wrote jesse ventura in for every single vote well, let me tell you something mackie <laughs> i wrote in uh yeah nope kevin o'connell Crazy okay. <laughs> and O'Connell, KFC, KFC. all the way, all the way. <laughs> all right, that's your Reckless Speculation Thursday. We will uh, catch you guys Reckless Speculation. for a Feedback Friday tomorrow. See ya.